personally know a lot of like well-off Persians who raise their kids to think that they're constantly on the verge of bankruptcy to apologize for the fact that she fired an events planner in the beginning of a pandemic. I was doing so much more than events. I was showing up to events. I was talking at events. It's like the cut is owned by a woman that Ando is, wait, what was her name? Amando. That Amando is so proclaiming hatred for. The person you're describing that Leandra is, is is the person who's distributing this podcast. You all of our listeners get to hear Natalie's like sexy early morning voice yeah so welcome back to another episode and um yeah I feel like a Tintin character (laughs) but yeah we I was talking about well I was in Istanbul for a week or so and then I just got to Budrum they Uh, have a lot of like Turkish cuisine restaurants or were, were all the restaurants trying to be like American, Italian, Chinese? Like Yeah, yeah. So there was some Turkish cuisine, but then there were also places that were Turkish cuisine. But then it's also like pizza, sushi, burger. And it's like, I don't trust a place that has all three of that. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, just trying to tackle everything. Apple pie. <laughs> and I just felt like a lot of parts of it were gentrified in a bad way. and. I, I wish they would just embrace their own culture rather than trying to make a phenomenon out of Soho, like downtown Manhattan, as my yeah. brother said. Um, That's the thing that makes me sad is that like we've gotten to a point where everybody is trying to mick like America in a way. So like everywhere you go just feels like a worse version of Manhattan. And it's like, I wanted to experience this country. I wanted to experience this culture. Like, why do I just feel like I'm in a bootleg version of Manhattan? I know. Yeah. Some streets really did feel like that. Like some streets literally felt like a shitty Greenwich Village, like the parts where the comedy clubs are. And it's like, no one even wants to be there when they're there. <laughs> like, why would you, why are you trying to do that? Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, the, the city being on the Bosphorus, like that is beautiful. And um, the Hagia Sophia was also very, and I hadn't been to a building like that before. But anyways, I feel like talking about the good things isn't fun. Like people came here to hear me talk shit. <laughs> but um, 
Well, I'm really scared to make TK jokes and stuff. I feel like it's I'm too. It's just a fragile. Uh, I I don't want to have to filter ourselves. Like fuck fragile. Like make a fucking TK joke. Like no, it's just like they're like uh, 400 people died building their one story airport, and it's like. I don't know. Is that a joke? Yeah, they have their airports make no sense. There is no clear way of the exit. And like, I'm not dumb. They closed and I, off all the exits. They closed off every exit. So you can't, I, it took me like, I don't know. And then, and then the baggage claim, they don't put the airline of the flight. Of the flight. They just call everything Turkish airline. So we just kept looking for our airline at the thing. And then it just, we realize that they they're like no we call everything Turkish airline and it's like how what? is that like how is that and just a lot of things don't make sense like there are constant signs that like contradict each other like this is the official slogan for me for like the official gesture rather it's like one hand this way and the other hand that way like everything is confusing um and yeah just like a lot a lot of miscommunication i mean honestly i'm not surprised like it makes sense because recently i went on google and i was looking up um persian jokes and they gave me like a list of like 20 most popular persian jokes and like 15 of them were about turkish people yeah people in budrum seem a bit smarter yeah i don't know i'm trying to see (laughs) so it's uh it's like high season in Budrum and we're staying I I don't know, we were catfished by this hotel, but it's we deserve it. Yeah, we deserve it and it wasn't well planned. It kind of makes me feel like young and slutty. It's like, oh, I'm staying in this shitty room and now I have to go like hustle out to the boardwalk I, and I get and but it's like i don't I have that energy and i know yeah well you're the one who always proudly tells everyone where we're staying like i'm just <laughs> i'm just gonna be like oh we're, we're at a villa like yeah, just say we're I'll at a villa but i feel like no one would believe that no no one is even yeah you're right they would believe anything here anyways but i was actually like last night we were at this restaurant like accidentally got everywhere needs a reservation apparently and I don't know, I, I never have done like the beach party trip before. Like the closest thing I've come to that is like for going to Miami with you, Natalie. Like otherwise I never would do these like things and which I, I enjoyed them. I just never like the trips I went on were never like that. So I'd never been to Mykonos or so. I think I went when I was a kid, but like it was different because I went with my parents. But I feel like our age is very popular. Like girls go on big trips with like, their friends to these beach places and um last night I felt really out of place or not out of place I felt like I had been missing something I'm like wow I'm 26 and I'm just getting to this type of like beach party club thing and there were all these young hot people and groups of young hot people (laughs) and and then there was me and Adley yeah, we actually met like our first Jewish person here today. Whoa. Um, he 
his family's Turkish, but they've been living in Israel for the past generation. But for some reason, he moved to Istanbul, which... Well, their business was probably always here. Yeah, the business... doesn't seem like a type who started at Tesla. Yeah, yeah, I don't... Yeah, so I guess they had some sort of business still here. So he moved back to uh, Istanbul. And I Yeah, it's, it's no one really talks about being Jewish here. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I only recently did the government in turkey become like okay with like israel things like that but natalie of course a lot of that is a show no of course yeah, of course it's a show but but like i'm just saying now they're like publicly being like oh we don't hate israel but like yeah, yeah that's only recently so people still have a lot of like bad stigma towards like jews and israel and zionism and whatever well, well they have a lot of bad stigma towards yeah towards, towards a lot of yeah they don't like iranians either here wait really yeah why because we make fun of them so much probably why what have you heard (laughs) what have you heard about iranians no obviously no one says anything but they just like it's like they only like turkish people here and luckily i guess i look turkish and then they think i'm turkish and then i open my mouth and i can only say like tamam (laughs) and they're like get the fuck out like they were so mean at this beach at this hotel today they like threw the credit card back at me i was like okay shit but i had the best gorgeous abs of my entire life here today it like seriously changed my life i'm jealous um it sounds kind of like france like they only like themselves well it's like yeah but it's not as justified (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's justified in france either but okay i don't know I mean, after coming here, it's just. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, we had a comedian on about two years ago when we first uh, started Persian Girl Podcast, and she had been invited to speak on Al Jazeera. So Al Jazeera, I guess, did their research and saw that we had her on and they reached out to Persian Girl podcast to um, make a comment on this documentary that this comedian had done uh, during the pandemic. And yeah, we, though our political views aren't the same as this comedian, we were happy to make a comment for Al Jazeera. And well, I'm just going to interject while you cough because maybe you should give some more background. She is an Israeli-Persian comedian, also uh, simultaneously a Palestinian activist. And uh, we had her on two years ago and she got to express all all of the work that she's doing. And her whole thing is like um, trying to bring peace to the Middle East through comedy. And she got this um she got into some program i don't know specifically what it was at harvard and that's where she's been but then uh the documentary captures the um time where she goes to harvard to study but then has to leave because of the pandemic and then she goes back to israel where she's from and there are scenes of her doing comedy both in in front of uh arab Palestinian well, and Israeli audiences and well that that part wasn't at like a comedy show her doing it in, in front of both Palestinian and Israelis she said 
the first time I ever got to do something like this, where I got to do it in front of both people was um, in the hotels, because in Israel, um, anyone who had Corona was put into like Corona hotels um, and they didn't separate the hotels for Palestinians and Israelis. Everyone was together. Yeah, I thought that was really nice of the country. They took really good care of everyone. Like everyone, anyone who was sick was there and had equal treatment. Natalie, you're muted. Everyone got equal care. Sorry, this fucking. Maybe it was equally bad. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it was equally. No, but it actually looked amazing in the documentary. They like they had Zumba classes and everyone's like, no, honestly, like I I would have want I would have liked to have been there. This country is just dying to give people Zumba classes from day one since 1940. So I'm in a pandemic. Like I would have liked to have been with a bunch of different people doing Zumba. Like our house was depressing. I had like my brother assembling guns and like making food in mass quantities. Not this brother. I don't know. I was away. I was at Silver Lake pulling it. But yeah, basically she was saying it was the first time that she ever got to do comedy in front of both like Israelis and Palestinians together. And that it was a really great experience that everyone was doing the Zumba classes together. Everyone was being treated equally. Like nobody was looked at as either Palestinian or Israeli. They were just looked at as patient number one four five patient number two seven six whatever everyone was equal um so in our comment what what we sent to al jazeera is very different than what al jazeera shared okay but now we have to explain that before we get into what the comment was i I am am okay, okay, okay 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 so basically um Noam Schuster was was doing comedy in front of both Palestinians and Israelis together, and it was inclusive and great. And she that was the whole premise of her documentary to bring people together through comedy. Wow, beautiful, right? If only this could be a reality from the other side. Millie and I, somebody had reached out to us to do a comedy night in Manhattan. Uh, Apparently, there was this comedy night for the past few years that was called like Middle Eastern Jewish comedy night. And then about a year back, they decided to change it just to Middle no. Eastern night. <laughs> yeah. They decided no, to change it just this to- year. Oh, this year. Okay, sorry. Can I this explain this part and then you explain your comments because I'm really dying to capture what this girl said. Like Tanam Mikhare. Okay, fine. But okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. No, I'm being you know like so this year they decided to change it to just middle easter night because um they found out that the jcc who was donating money to their night which i think most people know jcc stands for jewish community center it's like the ymca but for jews so the jcc who was donating money to their night to make it happen um, they found out that the JCC was pro-Zionist and donating money to the horrible IDF, Israel Defense Forces. So they didn't want to associate with the JCC anymore and told the JCC, we don't want your money. And decided to change the name of the night from like Jewish Middle Eastern night to just Middle Eastern night. So the girl that was telling us this, she was like, yeah, like we would love to have you on. That's not how she said so- it. That was like a side note. She was explaining to us like the history of this comedy night. And she's like, yeah, like Middle Easterns and Jews. But this year, you know, like with all this stuff happening with Israel, there's like no Jews now. And it was so weird. And then like 
we both like were waiting just like me and natalie were silent we're like okay maybe she's gonna fix what she just said and i I think if she reached out to us she would know we're jewish i'm so confused like do you just here to come on your comedy show everyone makes fun of me for mentioning on every episode 20 times that i'm israeli so like yeah i know yeah it's like if you didn't catch that natalie is israeli then what the fuck have you been living literally like, like obviously you haven't joke. listened to a single Maybe. episode if you call us and you're talking about how you hate zionism and the idf and jews yeah it was a really strange comment and then uh she kind of said it again and then i said sorry i i actually i, I don't understand what you mean by that uh me and natalie like natalie's from israel my like i have family what do you mean we're jewish we're zionists and then um i was like so if that's okay with if that's you know you want to check if that's okay then and then she's like i don't know um let me just get back to you like jen saki let me circle back no you missed this part millie you missed this whole part so she says she's like oh actually i have to double check with one of our palestinian comedians yeah i was about to get feel comfortable doing a show with Israelis and Zionists and Jews. So I don't know if she like basically saying, I don't know if this Palestinian girl wants to be in the same room as you guys. So we're basically disinviting you. Yeah. We have to go drink from the other water fountain. Yeah. So basically I um, included this in my comment that I made about Noam Schuster's documentary. Um, I said, you know, I think it's so great that Noam is trying to be inclusive and bring people together through comedy. And they included that part. And then they cut out the part where I said, but I wish that we would see the same from the other side. And then, sorry. Well, yeah, I think it sounded passive aggressive the way you had said it. Like, I think it's great because it was really obvious what you were trying to get to. But nonetheless, nonetheless, they edited it. Of course, it was going to be censored. It's, it's, it's well, you know, what? I'm happy I did it. I'm happy that somebody had to take the time to edit it out. Good. For yeah, <laughs> no, me too. I'm happy I wasted their fucking time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, so, yeah I, so that's what happened to me and Millie. Basically, well, we good luck. Good luck doing show. comedy without mm. Jews. Yeah, good luck with your show. I'm so excited. Yeah. For you guys. Everyone, go check out this show that we were it's not happening. About. I had it marked in my calendar, and then I deleted it because obviously, why would I want that marked in my calendar? But I think it happened, or it's happening. Yeah. Does anyone really think? that any comedy is going to solve political problems like so like the entire i mean i'm not like noam schuster is funny i'm not saying she's not a comedian but like comedy is not gonna solve the israel-palestinian conflict and the conflict is kind of maybe a segue ironically into what you're going to be talking about soon which is that you know media is money and the palestinian people are controlled by other people who have a lot of money and in that sense they're victims that only exist precisely because of modern media modern media is the greatest weapon of our times because it allows it it can be totally 
hijacked by whoever has more money. Al Jazeera itself is, of course, uh, state is a state-affiliated media outlet. And Al Jazeera is basically just a really modern version for why the Israeli-Palestinian conflict exists because you have all these countries and it's oh, it's different countries in different generations. It's a lot like Cuba, right? Like Cuba was only able to be successful because first the Soviet Union was subsidizing it because they it was a great way to bother America. It's a con it's a country antagonistic to the US 20 miles away from Florida, right? So give them whatever they want. Then the Soviet Union went bankrupt, but they were able to find other people, China, Iran, Venezuela, right, who had a lot to gain from helping Cuba. And Palestine, it's always a really cheap acquisition for media. Um, but the point is that if there wasn't modern media, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, of course it wouldn't exist because these two sides, it's like, I hate when people say it's a real estate thing. It's like, there's no real, they're not fighting over land. They're fighting over, in th these are both very small groups of people who are fighting for some shred of sovereignty in a way in which people in other countries in the world can't even begin to understand. I mean, just look at the amount of American media that Israelis have, right? Like every 10th Jewish billionaire in the US has some media apparatus in Israel that the government in Israel is trying to ban. You know, mm -hmm. so you have these societies that so many people are desperate to shape and that never existed before because the the means weren't there. And if they were left to themselves, they would, of course, do business with each other because they're neither of them have resources. Like in the sense, it's like it's not like Israel has oil and Palestine doesn't or Israel has five giant lakes of fresh water and controls 80% of the world's fresh water supply like the United States, and one doesn't, right? I mean, one is on the Mediterranean, but the Mediterranean's not really, it's good for tourism, but it's not really, a, it's, you know, it's not exactly the Suez Canal. So when she's saying she's using more media, it reminds me of in the beginning of Comedy of Errors, um, there's this line where the character who's, um, when he was like, one years old, he's separated from his family. And he's saying, looking for my family is like being a drop of water dropped in the ocean. And now you have to look for the drops of water who are your family. And so when I think of Noam's career, it's like this drop of water in the ocean because it's just more media, but we're not recognizing that media itself is the disease here. And that just adding more media is just putting more water in this ocean. No, I agree with that. But well, I, Adley, I kind of have a question for you. Yeah. So, like, as you were saying, like, um, these other countries used to fund Cuba to piss off the U.S. So when the U.S. gives money to Palestine... And like, they know it's not going to be used. Like, they, like what yeah. are they pretending to be naive to piss off Israel? Like, they know it's not going to yeah. be used yeah. 
for vaccines, they know it's going to be used yeah. for bombs. Even so if it was I, LA County, they wouldn't buy vaccines with it. I mean, um, they would like manage to like buy cars and manicures for themselves or something. <laughs> um, like and like have a five day retreat in Malibu, like to raise awareness about the COVID vaccine. Oh yeah, this is me. Adley's new thing is like raising awareness. It's like I don't know. Like so many charities are raising awareness and it's like, where is the money going to where, what is awareness and who is that helping? What awareness? Like, oh, I'm aware. Oh, <laughs> let me just wipe some money on myself for being aware. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah. Ah. yeah. Or like, or like leadership camps, like what's going on there? Like, like, um, what's her name? Melissa Scott. What's, what's what? Mackenzie Scott, whatever her name is. Jeff Bezos, like, swiped oh. like $30 million for, like, conferences for future LGBT. Oh, yeah, I'm sure all color. of this is, like, something to do with tax so, cuts. Yeah, like, I don't like, know. Yeah. So, like, giving money to Hyatt hotels in there. Find out who her lawyer is. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, why is the U.S. giving money to uh, Palestine now? Well, because the U.S. wants to give, I mean, there's <laughs> a very long article, Millie read it too, about how the, the Iran deal is just about giving Iran control of the Middle East, which is about giving China control of the Middle East, because the U.S. is trying to coexist with China because it's cheaper to manage the entire world with China. Because if you look at the US, when the US first became an empire in the, I'm not trying to say empire is good or bad. So we're superpower after, after what? And I was like, we have an empire. Yeah, yeah. After World War II, we had it really cheap because the Soviet Union managed a lot of the world and it made a really clear media case basically it forced other countries to take sides um and both countries which were governed by yeah a kind elites with this with this kind of i'll explain with a distinct perspective that's different from prior elites um they both were really realistic about which countries they could manage, right? So the Soviet Union knew that probably not, you know, they're not going to get Canada, right? But Eastern Europe is realistic or Central Asia or parts of Africa, right? And the US knew which countries it would be good at managing or trying to manage, right? In Western Europe and Latin America. And so uh, now the US, it has this, the world is much more complicated and we're just, we're not as preposterous. We're in some ways more powerful than ever. We're in some ways, our economy is not that much bigger than the rest of the world's and other metrics, right? So managing the world with China is cheap because then China gets half the world and we force countries in the middle to choose, right? But by the way, this is not a done deal because a lot of countries are, including Israel, which I would say currently Israel, Germany, and Russia are the number one enemies of the US in a good way, not China. China and the US are bigger allies than England and 
the U.S. because they have really similar goals because they see they're so close to having the whole world for free. And so, but basically, why did I bring up the stuff about the Soviet Union um, and Soviet Union being really realistic about the countries that it can manage? So the Middle East is somewhere, let's be real, that China would be better at managing than the U.S., because it's not somewhere that can be managed according to liberal propaganda, the stuff we want to believe amongst ourselves. It involves a kind of coarser hand. You don't need, mil you don't need media sophistication like one does to manage Europe. So the U.S. wants Europe because everyone agrees, even independent observers, that the U.S. would do a better job managing it. And the U.S. can't have both the Middle East and Europe. So they need to give the Middle East to China, but China can't directly manage it. So they need to do it through Iran. But now here's the thing, Iran and Israel, or like Iran basically and everyone else, not good friends, but also Israel is the number one cause in the Middle East, not their own poverty and corruption, right? But whatever. So Israel, that's a thing there that, you know, and so the U.S., needs to start letting Israel know that they're going to need to be downsized to some kind of city-state, like some kind of principality like Liechtenstein or I don't know. I don't know what else is that place where all the outlets allegedly are between Spain and France. <laughs> uh, is that Andorra? I don't know. I Whatever. Something like that. Like something that Architectural Digest can still talk about, like apartments in Tel Aviv, but like it's pretty clear that they're not a country. And so what then gets interesting is, of course, there's a lot of Jews who are stakeholders in America. And it's pretty clear that they're on the US side because they don't want to work. And um, this, this US-China thing, is the only way the stock market will go up, right? And that's how they live, right? You're doing that thing where you say right again a lot. Sorry. It's like, no, I don't know, Okay, right. well, most, know. We know, most people who are billionaires, they don't own restaurants that produce No, a lot of I'm good. I, yeah. It's fine, like, keep okay. talking. I just... So, so they need the stock market to go up, up, up. Wait, and so are you talking about a one-state solution or are you saying that Israel will give back more land? I'm saying, I mean, at this solution. point, so Israel, you're saying Israel won't be. No, at this point, Israel, I mean, Israel has really, really, really dark days ahead of it because it's losing its only serious ally. Because, and the darker thing is that Jews in yeah, America. Yeah, America stopped funding the Iron Dome. What? America recently stopped funding. Yeah, but that's even Dome. even that is a minor thing. I mean, once the world gets, I think that's minor. Good, a pretty good idea that the U.S. is not Israel's best friend. Um, things are gonna, you know, you're gonna they're gonna hear a really different tone from everyone else, yeah. right? Yeah. And well, personally, like if you ask Israelis how they feel about the U.S. intervening in their politics and like giving them money, whatever. Most Israelis hate it because the Israeli government, um, because they're receiving this help from the U.S., they feel the need to appease the U.S. So they force their soldiers not to fight back most of the time. Shooting at someone who shoots you is like 
a last resort, which normally should be a normal thing. Like, like the the people in Israel like fu- like fucking hate it. They most of the like citizens there are probably happy that the U.S. is going to be back. But but Natalie, the thing is, is Israel's not a rich country. Its GDP per capita is below France and much below France. And oh, yeah, I'm not saying that it's US, yeah benef- actually beneficial to Israel. Yeah. Physically, yeah, as a country, yeah, that the that that people's yeah. mentality yeah. is that they think it's annoying that that like they their army needs to appease the rest of the world and never fight and never do anything and like not yes. protect themselves. Yeah, I, I, and and the U.S. has always played a really fine line there, very shrewdly. The thing that's complicated is that I. Uh, you're, you're essentially what's unsaid and it's very vulgar to say is that many American Jews, like let's say somebody like Michael Bloomberg are, are in some way making it very clear the last year that they would rather keep on to as much money as possible than, than a serious future for Israel. But it's really deeper than that, because even I, it's not like I care about Israel that much. To just be honest, I don't want the world talking about the majority of the world's people. I don't want them to suffer another 50 years of a bipolar world, right, of just Mm -hmm. two corrupt superpowers scamming everyone out of everything that didn't work out for Iran because essentially it leaves anyone who's not a superpower with just like two abusive households, right? Like Iran was stuck between the Soviet Union and the US and there's no good deal for either, right? Out of either, because both countries were just parasites. And so- um, Yeah, the the US's view of Iran was like, let's give money and power to a bunch of idiots to destroy Iran to make ourselves higher like that that's how like I feel like the U.S. gets ahead not by actually like fixing themselves but okay and I don't by the way I don't want to say the U.S. because I don't think the people who were leading the U.S. in the late 19th century would have approved of any of our foreign policy after World War II mm-hmm. which is largely unchristian and um like it's it's just very um cynical because our foreign policy is always about the saudi model which is keep the country poor and then the people who have money they'll have nothing to invest in so they'll invest their money here and then our children can manage the money for them and have like bullshit jobs in manhattan you know like buying them real estate and taking 10%. And then one will be the lawyer <laughs> who's allegedly working so hard reading the contract about the real estate transaction. <laughs> and then like, for some reason, Uber will be worth $3 trillion, even though like, they're only like good. They're like their best idea for the next 10 years is to l- deliver prescriptions by hand. Um, so, yeah. so, um, yeah, so I think Israel is, it's a symbol, it's a really vivid symbol, Israel and Palestine, of the stakes for billions of people around the world. And if we, if, if only the, if only that situation of these two countries could 
to be understood in a universal sense, right? Like as a parable, as an allegory for what people from Africa to Korea are going to be facing, because the media is only going to become more, more deep, right, in everyone's lives. And China is going to start beginning to understand it as much as the U.S. Obviously, currently, they have no idea what they're doing, but they will eventually. And so, of course, people, if you're China or the U.S. people 20 years from now, you're going to study the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as a template for what to do for every two countries in the world, right? Like, make everything like that, because then they're never going to bother you, I'll tell you that. And like no one in Palestine is like, you know, they're not even aware of all they're so worried about, you know, what I mean, like if we were to say this to anyone or even a lot of Israelis, like this is really above their heads because they can't like they can't understand why Warren Buffett is willing to like sacrifice their life, like and hundreds of millions of lives for another 20 billion dollars. Right. Like it, it on some sense, it, none of it makes <laughs> They, it's too fairy tale-ish. And so uh, this is all a way of answering your question of why is America giving money to Palestine? It's to, it's to begin ending the party. But Natalie, let's be real. N- none of these countries, including, and they don't, they never wanted Israel to exist, you know, uh, and they didn't think anything was going to come of it. Do you really think the British when they were sending, even the rich British Jews, when they were sending people to this desert, do you really think they thought it was going to end well? They thought it was like going to be a disaster and from they, there they they'll go somewhere we else. They probably thought we would have all murdered each other by now and we wouldn't have been a problem for this long. Yeah, they like, they expected it to last. They're doing Hitler long. one better. Like, he was an <laughs> idiot. Like, we're yeah. just going to like, we're not only are they all going to totally die, like 100%, it's going to look like we meant well. Yeah. And they're like, you know what I mean? So no, we'll be absolved. And, and by the way, it was always so the true. case. I mean, let's be real. Like Germany, just like they're always their issue was, is they don't know how to do anything correctly, like in terms of foreign. That's why they never had an empire. I mean, they're just, they're not, the, the British are much, to their credit, they're much smarter. Like, <laughs> Uh, you know, they have a they have a much superior culture of like as a group talking and understanding what their goals are, how to reach them. Um, so, yeah, the, the British is very good at like, like, what's that saying where like you like distract someone and then hit them from behind? Like, they're very yeah. good at that. Yeah. And so they, they never like they're not idiots. They don't make it obvious when they're trying to attack yeah. you. They don't just come at you. They like do a cool magic trick and then like they fucking shoot you from behind and by the way but um, i'm not trying to stigmatize it that's their right as a country i mean they're a country that came to form everyone was against them trying to invade them so i'm not trying to like like hate on the british i totally understand where that's coming from like i had i people should learn from that you know israel should learn you know what i mean they are they have you know I mean? like everyone america too i mean america, israel does that all the time israel but, yeah like i feel but I feel like everything too, that the Israeli army the does is like a magic trick. Yeah, like, no, they've they're very good at the Bugs Bunny. And I'm not trying to ascribe any morality yeah. to it. It's not a when it comes to global politics, it's not a moral world, right? Like that's their oh, yeah. right. Oh, what and, do you mean? Do you not have an Instagram account? 
Sorry. Yeah. And also, like, let's be real. England couldn't have let two million Jews into their country, right? Their people would have freaked out over it, right? Like, they, like there's a lot of, yeah, I think they were doing it in bad faith anyways, but a part of it was practicality. They didn't ask to inherit, you know what I mean? They're a little country managing the world with the U.S. after World War, you know what I mean? After World War II. And I know, obviously, the Balfour Declaration is all that before, but I'm saying that... Um, I'm not trying to in any way make them the center of this narrative either. Ultimately, yeah. let's be real. If it, it Britain, Britain didn't want World War II to happen, and you know what I mean, and 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 neither did America. America didn't want to inherit the world that inherited after World War II. It was a very dark world that other people fucked up, and um, they America inherited a graveyard around the world, and. That explains a lot of why we've gone about it so cynically because it was already, you know, it was already a zombie movie when we came in. Anyway, that's, that's, sorry. Well, let's take. Well, I, I have a question. So, like, the whole one state solution, have we ever spoken about what we would call it? Will we combine the names like a couple and make it like Israstein or parallel? Oh, parallel! Like oh, parallel. wow! I kind of like parallel. I like that. Honestly, you should. Have <laughs> I just a came up with that right now. <laughs> now, just to call it parallel, because who could like be against the country with such a like Instagram name? I know. Yeah. Like, is Rastain like kind of sounds stupid, but like I, I'm really yeah, digging. Yeah, No, yeah, you can't brand that. Yeah. No, That's but but par- parallel is like, yeah, sick. Yeah, I I think we should do it. Did you come up with that just now? Yeah, yeah. Wow. While, yeah. while Adley was talking, I <laughs> this is what we think. Of, yeah, no, I. When Adley's talking, I think of other <laughs> very silly things as well. I was just thinking about Bugs Bunny, like doing all of this. Um, but yeah, you were saying let's be real. I wanted to segue and say let's be fake. Oh. And talk about this uh, article that came out this oh, week in the cut. Oh my god! Covering um, man repeller, this blogger Leandra Medine, um, and I, I, I don't even, I don't want to. Uh, you know what? It's now I sound like the girl who interviewed her on yeah. her podcast. Yeah. It's like she's like, I don't even want to release this interview that I did of her that i did with her and, it's and like, i had to sound, redo three times like you sound like you were dying to release this interview she like hired, like, yeah. studios to make the intro. like i don't want to give you i don't i don't yeah i don't want to know her name but i forgot her name i like i, I still haven't googled Just what she looks no what was her name though because I, I might have to use it for reference Sorry. okay hold on adley's adley's like my the producer reco amandi whatever i'm on the and um yeah so the article the title was like upper east side girl realizes she's privileged it was so clickbait um and then of course like everything the whole interview is just like clearly some sort it was just like an anti-semitic attack and um something that Adley had brought to my attention a couple of weeks ago or maybe less was uh, oh yeah it was actually just last week a lot of people they like 
they're using white people in a way that I think is is oh, um, suspicious. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a bit different. It's not like it's. I I think there was a a time in the culture in American culture where we would say like, oh, redneck, white trash. Like they're not talking about that. Sounds like a lot of people are saying white people when they're talking about Jews. Like this is just a way to say anti-Semitic things. They just kept trying to disregard her history and say like she would just the interviewer would make blanket statements about white girls like, yeah, these white girls, they like their dad pays for everything and they get to go to school and then they do this and that. And it's like, I don't know how you're making such a grand statement about such a like which white people. There's a lot of white. There are Turkish white people. There are European white people. There are Persian white people. Which white people are you talking about? And I'm sorry, but like where I grew up, I was surrounded by rich immigrants and poor Americans. That's literally, uh, let's be real. Like I like the white people I knew great. Like you want like true white people. I'm not talking about Jewish people. You know what I mean? mean, Like the white people I know, like Christians, like they were all struggling. So I don't know that like these statements are so dumb to me. And the fact that she has no interest in, I mean, like that's kind of what, I mean, I, I only started recently following Leandra after she was quote unquote canceled. Um, you but would she never made she her, canceled. what? Said so you would only follow her after she gets canceled. <laughs> I feel like that's also, I'm always like meeting, like finding out about people after they're. Yeah. No, like I knew of her, but I just, I mean, as much as I love fashion, I guess I wasn't like. You have no interest in anyone who's mainstream. Once they have like a fatwa against them, that's when you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, into this um, I don't know. I felt like out of. She, the interview i i would struggle to find where she was problematic because she was like practically you know on her knees like i don't want uh, yeah i don't want to use any more vulgar language but like on her knees to them and so apologetic to the point where i felt like that was actually undignified of her like it was she also didn't need to- let's be real. like and that's where it all sorry sorry no no stop saying let's no, yeah, be real I mean- and right sorry because like I have to edit this. Because th- throughout the <laughs> throughout the episode, like she just kept saying like I'm an idiot. Like I was not meant to lead. Like I didn't lead right. I don't have like the right leadership skills. Like she just kept trying to put herself down, like to apologize for like the fact that like sh- like that she fired an events planner in the beginning of a pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, she was basically pleading for people to stop. Oh, by the way, seems to her life is so much better now. Now Crystal oh, yeah. is doing great Cri- yeah. sponsorships for J. Crew. Yeah, that, the innocent about, company J. Crew. That was yeah. The small, was, the small yeah. business. Yeah. J. Crew. Yeah. No, but the, yeah, her dad like, is also like super white, Crystal, and I'm sure I'm the sorry. reporter, yeah. like, I'm sure the reporter, like, also casually grew up in Connecticut and like went to Princeton. Like, shut the fuck up! Like, you don't sound like you came. Stop trying. You're appropriating some other culture. And then whenever Leandra talks about her history, like, not her her 
how she grew up and her father being Turkish and the mother Iranian, like the only things that references the interviewer can make like, oh yeah, kind of like keeping up with the Joneses. Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, we don't know what that is. Like you're totally disregarding. Like, I think the point that Leandra was trying to make at some, at some point throughout the interview, it's like, yeah, I guess it could come off as she was making a sob story, but she never really, this is what I meant to say, not once I looked into her blogging and stuff, she didn't really talk about her ethnic background or anything, which is refreshing. Like yeah. not everyone needs to talk about this yeah. because she wasn't using it like currency, like most like, people, like, like victimhood as currency, that. ethnic, like whatever, my minority to get, I'm a minority to Which get is ahead. ironically, and like what she doesn't want to understand is that currency was created by the very, wasp british people and like or like the very establishment <laughs> that you allegedly hey they created that currency to make you feel like you have something yeah and like that's the most infuriating part like the reason she resents leandra is because leandra's like bitcoin she's making her own currency and that's why people like leandra are so triggering to people like omondo Omon- or, yeah whatever. keko whatever so um so, uh, yeah so, but anyway I, I like the fact that leandra didn't try to be like i'm middle eastern i am first generation like trying to act like like oh, she admits I like hate, I'm, you know when people say first generation that's almost trashier than saying immigrant like i'm like what first generation in like as if america's like the suburb saint germain like it's so hard to figure out how to get around here you know, or like all the etiquette. At yeah, home, honestly, I at think first generation. You know, how do you use? I think all most first generation children had it the best. Yeah, of course, because they're actually excited to be in America. I think. No, but also because their parents were like immigrants, and immigrants are like, for the most part, a lot of the time, the hardest working people. So, like, we're the children of hardworking people. Okay, no, but like if that, anything, even I'm, that okay, I don't, can we, we know a lot of immigrants who came here and went on welfare on day one, okay? Let's be real. Okay, okay? yeah, I well, Adley, so you were many. just trying to be uh, subversive. We already know, we, yeah. <laughs> Some of them are the hardest working welfare frauds. Okay, there's both. Anyway, that's not, I, I don't want to focus on that. Sorry, I just, I... Um, yeah, so what I was saying was that Leandra never really, that was not the focal point of her blogging. So now when she goes to, I feel like she, it was every right of her to explain her family background. And then it came off as like a sob story. And it's like, well, it is kind of important to explain that she, that she had, it wasn't an American mentality in their household. And yeah, I, do understand why if you live in Yorkville, you could seem lower class if you're going to a private school on the Upper East Side. I mean, I would ignore someone who was from York. I'd be like, it's okay. The conversation is over. <laughs> and yeah, I don't like Yorkville. Uh, anyway, anything past, also like past third. Yeah. <laughs> I've not, I mean, I'm sorry. How do you even live there? There's like and then also, hospitals there. Where's the room for apartments? Also, also, but, it's not ridiculous that she grew up thinking that she didn't have a lot of money because, like, I don't know. I personally know a lot of, like, well-off Persians who raise their kids to think that they're constantly on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. And then these kids just grow up thinking, like, oh, my God, I have to, like, 
save every penny. Meanwhile, like it's not true. Their parents just put this idea in their head. Yeah, no. So that was the thing. It was like she was trying to explain the mentality her parents had, which was never like she'd ever would come home and they would be like, honey, how are, how are you feeling today? How, how was school? Like, you know what I mean? That wasn't the thing. It was just it was a very, I guess you could call it Middle Eastern uh, mentality in their household, whereas this interviewer is acting like, you know, she definitely did have parents who were like super involved in her education super involved in the way she felt like she probably had a psychologist like I don't know like and then meanwhile she's trying to act like she's she's suffered so much and it's I it just really really bothered me well you whole... know she went to SCAT uh south in Charleston yeah no or uh, Savannah no sorry Savannah Savannah yeah Savannah school yeah, yeah. yeah. um I'm sorry. I hope you guys can't hear the Iranian music in the background. No, My I mom's like playing Persian. No, that's good ambiance. <laughs> but I can't hear it. No. Okay, great. Um, yeah, but like this this article, a few people sent it to me and like found it very triggering and like very just like trying to like make someone look like a bad person and like using all these examples of like quote unquote like white like upper class like culture and just like putting her in that category she's not in that category and also the cut is owned by a a, a multi-billionaire family that owns it as a uh, as a as a vanity project and like you know it's like so yeah the cut is owned by a woman that Ondo is wait what was her name Amondo. Um, that Amondo is so proclaiming hatred for, like the person you're describing that Leandra is, is the is the person who's well, distributing all, this yeah. podcast. You fucking idiot. No, but yeah, yeah, and it's like the, the whole thing is like, this wow, is you you told the system. Yeah, you're really you're a freedom fighter. Yeah, it's so depressing. Like, no, you're. It just makes me like you're just nothing that like make us, money. If like people like us, like if like identify Leander, like that's what makes modern America so depressing. Is like you have these. I hate to say it, losers. Like it's not like oh like what am I like such a winner to call her a loser? But like in the sense of like she's smart enough to know that she's not creating any economic value or anything, and that. The reason the system is so supporting her is because she's just a kind of uh, like therapy, therapy, like propping up the regime, you know, like she's making people feel radical. Like, remember last year when there was those strange Netflix advertisements, like sometimes the most radical thing to be black is to just be happy and laughing it's like i don't i don't think anyone says that actually left right or center i just think that's something someone with a lot of money would say if they were scared and so and then what's also annoying then is like has any society ever had it like any ruling class and I'm not trying to say like we have a ruling class that's like so fighting for it or anything, but whatever. People who are rich, have they ever had it so easy than this current rich, the current 1% of America? Because like 
it used to be really hard. You know what I mean? And now all you need is these podcasters like Reco Amondo to like go after fashion bloggers and feel like revolutionaries. It's insane. If only Louis the 14th had these tools. I mean, Louis the 16th and Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette would have just gone around Paris giving people $10 to start a podcast. And there would have been no French Revolution, I guess. Like, this is what, like, like, Leandra Medine is the center of power and whiteness. Like, have you, like, walked down Park Avenue? Like, do you know anything? This is who, and she lives in New York, by the way. This is who you're after, like, man repeller? Like, does she know anything about, like, the family that owns Condé Nast? And, like, what, the, do you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. It's just, it's so... It's so ghetto in the sense of like, you know, like the thing, let's be real, like people who talk, you know, it's like the ghetto is like, why are they fighting each other? Right. Go, go fight the people who are really holding you down. Yeah. They basically went after the weakest link. Like they went after like the low of the high instead of going after the high of the high. Yeah. And it's because she is a faker like she knows that if she criticized Pamela Wasserstein or whatever her name is Wasserman what yeah the no the The owners of the owners of New York magazine and like their whole private equity empire and like how they're probably like I'm sure New York magazine loses like five million dollars a year and it's a great tax write-off for them and then of course that's how they get invited to parties in Southampton and stuff but like she knows if she went after them she wouldn't J. Crew wouldn't sponsor her Instagram post, right? So that's why I think she's trash and all the revolutionaries of like whatever. I wish there was media the way, revolutionaries. Yeah, like all these media revolutionaries. It's like you're not even Fidel Castro. Like at least Fidel Castro, yeah, he's crazy, wrong about everything, a criminal, but like at least he was like really trying to go after the US. Like what are you like? You're a coward. You're just like finding random bloggers who are not even white to like criticize because you know like that's how and like and and how much money is she even making like like what i'm sure i mean i'm sure she makes money off her podcast but it's like you're not even like yeah pamela wasserstein's dad is like a criminal but like at least he's a multi-billionaire and they can afford to like have a bunch of fake magazines and employ like all these white girls in brooklyn yeah i used white right yeah because like yeah i mean like let's be real like and and now girl white girls of color let's call them that white girls of color in brooklyn right like on their laptops like talking about some fashion show for a company that's like also money laundering and like whatever just living in this whole like kind of like toilet paper discarded toilet paper universe of the billionaires of new york city laughing to the bank in southampton and like that was all fine when we were growing up in the bush years when at least they were like all being productive like okay yeah like this is a great fashion show in the meatpacking district like look this guy he's wearing trash bags or something but now it's like this dark phase where they're trying to take each other down it's like i have news for you reco whatever your name is it was all fake like everything this was all fake conde nas that's always been a tax write-off if you you have no idea what the new houses are up to you wouldn't even know okay like you think anna winter is powerful like they probably like like, they're like, oh, we have to invite Anna Winter over tonight, like, to pretend we think she's one of us. Like, you have no idea what real New York is like and, like, how, like, these $10,000 checks or, like, $3 million townhouses to Condé Nast editors 
is nothing. And like, if you, and that's why, again, like what she bothers her is like, Leandra is smart enough to know how that world works. And she was trying to actually bring fashion back because even though fashion is a tax write-off in New York, it actually is something real. And she was trying to make it real and make it something bigger than her. But Reco had to wreck everything. Okay? Wow. And it's like, so now what do we have? We don't even have fashion. We just have podcasts and Crystal. We no, don't Crystal, Crystal wearing like Disneyland yeah, hey, costumes. <laughs> and it's somehow J. Crew is sponsoring it. And like, yeah. and it's so dispiriting because I'm like, I'm neither a member of the Everglades club or in like in the hood. I just want nice clothes. And I haven't told you this to depress you, but you know, Bergdorf Goodman might be like closing down. What? Yeah. It was the New York Post. It's like, I have like, I, you know, and like, I'm not a victory thing, but like, I didn't sign up for any of this. And so like, I'm not saying I'm, a, I, I'm not in pain or in victim or anything. But it's so pathetic to see this country of unlimited resources, including, I love this random third grade fact that we even have 80% of the world's water, right? With these lakes. And this is what we're up to. Like Reco Omondo on Spotify <laughs> talking about how, feeling like she's really Robespierre here because she took down Leandra Medine, who was already a dead <laughs> she horse. She literally was beating a dead horse. Yeah, like, and then this crystal woman on Instagram, which we yeah, thought, the like I heard someone... Uh, um, hold on, let me find. Well, I, my favorite part was so she's like, I really didn't want to release this interview, but meanwhile, like every ten minutes throughout the interview, she's not even the one to like say interesting catty things. She pauses it and then brings in comments from other people who like also just seem to hate Leandra because she's a smart Jewish woman, and uh, the the one of the comments that Crystal, the former event planner, was making was like how fucked up I was that she was fired for being an event planner. She's like, I was doing so much more than events. I was showing up to events. I was talking at events. It's like events, keyword events. And yeah, events that weren't happening. So like, and they gave her four months severance. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I know people who got fired with way less. Yeah. Is Jay crew doing that? like it's like that's and the funny thing is is it's like what's so absurd about this entire world we live in is like her, her style if you want to call it that it's nothing crystals. to do with j crew crystals right so why is j crew supporting her because j crew is also dying to be part of this winning side like yeah we're not on Leander. We're with the people because that's good for business, right? Yeah, just like how Dave Chappelle's advertisement for his comedy special is the minute or seconds yeah. of George Floyd dying. Yeah, it's like... It's like, wow. So yeah, he died so you could get a $30 million Netflix deal. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, honestly, everyone nothing corrupted. Go to go Good to faith. Crystal's IG because it's really like a master class. <laughs> if, like, if you have no talent, 
just go buy stuff from like Venice Boardwalk or wherever and like just put it on. The more layers, the better. And then go get like, and you know what I mean? And J. Crew will sponsor you. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. It's like the thing is also like, is she serious? Like when I'm looking at these photos, what I'm really trying to like, there's no <laughs> way she really thinks this is legit. Do you know what I mean? And she's actually smarter than Rekka because like she's just like living life going to these hotels and she, she's in these pools and nice locations. Good for her. And J. Crew is paying for it. Who is like looking at like these photos and being like, right, I I need like I now need a white t-shirt from J. Crew. <laughs> like she doesn't she doesn't have a single thing like that J. And the funny thing, she didn't even wear J. Crew in the photo. That's what I really like. She couldn't even be bothered to go to J. Crew and buy like some <laughs> random tank top from J. Crew. So I respect Crystal. Crystal should go. Crystal is invited to dinner with the Wasserstein's. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, but, right? Yeah. Whatever she also like them truly, 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 truly does not give a fuck. Right? And, you know, she probably probably didn't even realize that, like, there was this angle to her being laid off until, like, some, like, friend of hers said, like, she should spin it as part of George Floyd's suffering, you know? So I feel like Crystal, like, realizing her angle is kind of like um, lawyers for injury when they tell their clients, like, oh, like, yeah, your neck hurts, right? And then the client's like, no, like, I didn't get hit in my neck. And they're like, oh, but your neck is in a lot of pain, right? Like, it's like someone feeding it to them. Someone telling them like, oh, use this to your advantage, even though it's fucking like fake. No, I actually, I'm really sure that her and Leandra were clashing because Leandra is clearly a narcissist and whatever she deserves to be. Like, I think she's a good writer. She has good style. Like she, she got to where she is for a reason. Like she really believed in herself and now, Crystal was working at Man Repeller. They were clashing and it had nothing to do with race. Like it was just both um, very, very um, strong charactered woman. Um, so I, I do think that that was an element, but like just to, I don't think Leandra is racist. And um, yeah, you heard it here. I don't think that. And maybe <laughs> we're not big enough for the cut to cover, but uh you know, I mean, I'm sure I, some I listeners think, will stop listening at this point, which is fine. I think um, a lot of um, a lot of companies oh. get like called racist when it's not racism; it's like favoritism. Which, like, favoritism, I guess, it also isn't okay, but it's not racism. Yeah, like, yeah, some some people have favoritism. Like, if you look at certain companies. A lot of them only hire their own family friends and their family. But it's not racism. It's just favoritism towards. Yeah, I've been experiencing that my entire life. I don't know. Like, should I be labeling it as something else? Like, I'm always left out of things that like I, I literally I can't thrive in like colleges or like, large I'm companies sorry. i can't like they don't I'm want sorry. me there and it's yeah most of the fashion now. industry i used to work in it's fashion like, I'm a woman at least most of the fashion industry looked at me and they're like oh she's not blonde and she's not a cunt like she's not part of our circle we're gonna make her feel alienated until she wants to leave 
That's what I dealt yeah, with. Yeah, but I realized, no, but the thing is, I realized. Like, but I'm not going to call it racism. It, no, I know, but I thought, it, I used to think it was something like, oh, the way I look too. It's really not. Like, yeah. I, I think it's my personality. Just, I think like, I'm just like, During nice this person. interview, it also made me realize that growing up, my closest friend in school was black. And we were both sort of outsiders because like we were just a bit like more sophisticated than our peers. Natalie's going to come after me again for saying that. The thing is, if I was 21, I wouldn't talk like this. Like, you know what? Some years have passed. I'm well into my 20s. I can say these things about my. No, I, I, I only it's have true. like an aversion. I only have an aversion to you being isolated because you isolated yourself from me because you thought I wasn't cool enough for you no I'm talking about really like this friend of mine like we were this was like fourth grade like things like this time and so that's that was the basis of our friendship we just had different interests than our peers and we became very close and even though we were both in this way alienated I was farther alienated she was still able to make friends and relate to others because she was viewed more as american like they related to she related to their culture and they related to hers whereas like um i was still sort of ostracized because it was like oh she's like she's she thinks she's better than being persian like she thinks mm -hmm. that she's cool because she doesn't have side bangs and mm -hmm. she like, you know what I mean? Like, whereas my other friend, like, she's black, but she's American. Like, we can, like, she's allowed to listen to the strokes. Yeah, she like, was allowed to she's, be sophisticated. Like, she's allowed to think, whereas, like, I was, like, like uninvited to, like, so not, like, you know what I mean? Like, no one wanted me at some parties, uh, like, getting, as I was getting older and. What's well, so your um, viewed as, like, a savage trying to dress in a ball gown? Like, they viewed you as, like. Like because it's you're not Middle a, no, I don't like that idea. I don't, and I don't like what those people in our last episode said. It's not about viewing us as savages. It's just like stay in your own lane. And um, I don't think anyone in Beverly Hills thought that we were savage. Maybe like they would make some joke like that, but it clearly wasn't about that because our houses were nicer than theirs. So they were the savages. I mean, they came to school with like snicker whatever snuck smuckers peanut butter and we came to school with like Even a whole meal i and love like, we, like, wait, we... excuse me i'm sorry one of my favorite airport foods is the smuckers uncrustables that it's like i haven't a... seen that in an airport i haven't seen that in an airport, airport they, no they they stopped selling it at airports they stopped selling it at airports and i got really upset because every time i would fly i would get a smuckers uncrustable there's probably like rat intestine to preserve that can you not say well, it's discontinued. They were really. Not, I ate in it too. I have the. I ingested the rat. Like, I don't know what shit is in our bodies. Anyway, um. So, yeah, and then another thing I wanted to mention about the interview was that I think it was just like we were talking about. How it was a cheap shot. It's like other part points where it was a cheap shot was that. Leandra clearly likes to speak in a decorative language, and she speaks. Like she says things and she's kind of a, has a campy approach, not just with her fashion, but the way she talks and the part that gave them the, that propelled them to create the um, title for the article was she says that she's in having this moment with her husband in the car and she's like, oh my God, I'm not poor. And like, she's exaggerating. Obviously she knows that, 
and she's she's very self-aware but then they try to use that as like wow look at how dumb she like they they really really lowered it to this level but that's it, fine it because- follows with a, like they were they had a lot of anti-intellectual sentiments like they were pretending that she was dumber than she actually is they were pretending that she wasn't aware of the language she was employing and this was all to raise themselves up and i think if any person of other color would have conducted this interview if it was reversed this would have been seen as extremely racist well it's worth noting that like reko is not like reko is not from like she's a daughter of kenyan immigrants who grew up in tulsa oklahoma so i don't know if she had what interactions with because like i mean this in a nice way but black black people in america are like some of the campiest speakers and like she speaks in such a like kind of from the plains of kansas voice you know what i mean and so that's kind of one weird part of it but i'm ultimately like no one in good faith thought that leandra came out bad in that interview like no one who listened from anywhere in the world so I'm not worried. I'm just interested in like the minority of people in Brooklyn at the cut. Like why do they feel so obligated to pretend that Leandra came out looking bad? Like what's like it, maybe we should redo the episode because then they're going to seem racist. Yeah, but the, that's what the whole thing the, is. Yeah, but, it's uh, all an intimidation tactic. But it's more than that, Millie. It's not that they're like they could have just not covered it, right? Like it, it, well, it also gives off this this feeling, this idea that oh, we solved something. Like we can, it's another tally mark. Oh, well, is we it found- like maybe that like Reco's whole thing is like she understands? Like, her, let's just suppose her audience is like people in Brooklyn who are like kind of I don't know what her audience is, but maybe. She speaks to a lot of people like girls who work at the cut who are just incredibly bitter that they're that they have no prestige. And and so Reco in this way is like this brilliant businesswoman. Obviously, she's not making a lot, whatever, but like brilliant podcaster because she's able to make this she herself doesn't actually feel any of this bitterness maybe but she understands that there's like an entire borough of people in new york who have who just want to see like people taken down and she can do it because she's nominally black and that she can give like for them to feel better about themselves these bitter people working at the cut make it seem like oh we don't hate Leandra because she's a better dresser than us and had more like entrepreneurial spirit. We hate her because she's racist and Reco said she's racist. Yeah. And so, so such a weird, so I guess this is goes to show like, like Natalie, what you were saying about Bugs Bunny. Like the Bugs Bunny way, like this is a Bugs Bunny way of, taking down someone you're jealous of and like everyone knows what their part is reko pretends she cares about like this race angle and gets seo and the cut people now get to like 
really make sure Leandra is dead. Like really make sure the horse is dead. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, there's these, what is it called? Like neglectful owners at all these companies. You know what I mean? Like no one. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is like the Reco scene, her whole thing is just she's against the girl boss. It's like Leandra wasn't even one of the girl bosses. Like, why didn't you take down Emily Weiss? Why didn't you take down Sophia Amaruso? Who's that? The founder of Nasty Gal. Because you have something in common with them. You don't have anything in common with Leandra. She was not a girl boss. She did not want to be a CEO. Like she fell into a media company. She was just a creative person who came like, it, I don't, it was, yes, she was talented, but she also happened to grow up in the time, like start blogging as fashion blogging be- and influencing whatever was became a possibility for her career. So she just fell into it, but she was, she's not this soulless person who can assume a personality of a CEO of a media company. Like it was not supposed to be a media company and she was clearly suffering from having to do that. And that's, and you saw that weakness and you, you, they destroyed the company. I mean, she left eventually it would because, and then now it's being framed as because she was a racist, but like, it's just, she really could not, she, she wanted to leave like two years before, as she mentioned or even earlier in the interview. And then she's has to leave the company. Then even that, if she, if she leaves, it's wrong. If she stays, she's a privileged white woman to the company. Then she leaves. Then it's like man repeller. Man? Why are you acknowledging man and woman? That's too cis-heteronormative. So now we have to make it just repeller. And now it's not even about like fun fashion writing. It's just about this like deranged, quote like activism which is just like hostile attacks on different people and you think somehow that's gonna like bring americans together and stop police brutality or something and then then it's then met then repeller repeller dissolves and now it's just like it's when i went on the website after all this i forgot it had shut down but like you go on the website and it's just repeller and it says like this website stopped being updated and like i'm actually getting the chills thinking about it because this was just supposed to be a fashion blog like this girl's writings about her outfits and maybe some world views and then there were contributors and then like you had to do all of this like gaidi like everyone like thank you you won we turned Repeller into a gender-neutral blog that's Wait, no that's longer updated. Happen? No, yeah, it oh. just turned into Repeller because man was too offensive. Okay. And okay, I thought you were being sarcastic. No, no, that, that and then that's what, and then it just ceased to exist. Can I ask both of you a question? Okay, where do you think this whole dynamic is going from here? Like, what does the next two years look like for you? Like. Okay, like in two senses, like, okay, now Leandra is like, they've, they've like subdued her, whatever, maybe she'll resurrect herself, I hope she does, but who, like, who else, not just who else is going to be taken down, like, what kind of culture emerges from these Reco Omandos, like, you know, I mean, in this, like, you know, like how the French Revolution has phases, like, what's next? We're just celebrating the cyborg face. Like I keep hearing people talk about someone named Olivia Rodrigo. I don't know who she is. To me, she looks like 
pretty by what these people are calling Caucasian. She has like Caucasian features, but like she's claiming some sort of ethnic identity, which actually is just the cyborg face that was created by Instagram filters. And it's just different media companies celebrating these types of faces and bodies like stretched out eyes with like lifted eyebrow. And yeah, 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 yeah. And like, yeah, so Olivia Rodriguez, I don't know what she is like, if what is she a singer? I don't know. Her most recent post is with like Joe Biden and it's like my rich daddy or something. Uh, so it's like this kind of thing. It's like the new, the new, the new phase with media is like ignoring the fact that Bill Gates is tied to Jeffrey Epstein and saying like, haha, daddy's single now. Like, let's go after him. Like, but you, but you think like, that's not where you're concerned about and accepting the J crew sponsorship and like no no longer no there's like no longer real articles they're either takedowns or they're like these things celebrating olivia rodrigo because we have so much diversity now and it's like they're not saying anything really so well what power like what is the economics of this like in terms of like who what what is like so this is therapeutic right you're saying it's like a therapeutic uh service um who like what is what is the what is the underlying therapy here like uh, like what is the psycho intended psychological effect who is the real intended audience or like were the two intended audiences like for olivia rodrigo like why do why do people with money feel that there is a return on investment in making her a thing Mm, that's not like what are like, like is, is it like 18 year old girls like because like to me it's like it seems so unsustainable well, of course, yeah and it's sim- and it's like if you want to answer simply simply and it's not this is not my answer but of course this new generation is demanding for the media to look like this so to you this is a free market kind of impulse like olivia rodrigo is, is a natural result uh like there's literally right now actual 18 year old girls who are like wow i want to be olivia rodrigo of course and and so olivia rodrigo is an emerging figure you don't consider her a current figure. i don't know anything about her. i just know that like i heard her on uh, someone talking about her on the podcast or the thing that had to do with that like they keep referencing something called the tanning of america because that's going to make everyone have more money like that's what's going to make um like poor people i'm trying to think of like a neutral place like whatever like someone someone who's poor they're gonna they're now they're gonna be able to finally see europe for the first time because of the tanning of america no i mean that's what i'm saying it's no like, it's i like, know who yeah. benefits like, i was like like who like like other than that like tango, well obviously it was never about that? it was never machines? about them yeah. it was never about it was never about the white trash or the rednecks of america we you know we've always been racist towards them no one cares about them yeah we don't care about hicks like finally well you know i'm wondering this is such i wonder if the real if all of this boils down to industrial agriculture because when i was reading the george sand novel which is about this uh, 
like affluent peasants, right? They all own their land and they're educated, you know what I mean? And so essentially farmers, right? And of besides that being the largest job and it being a job that gives you property, you know, machines, land, house, right? And, uh, and, and the sense of, and not just the sense of being important, you are the most important person in society. Without you and your family, the people in Paris will starve in five days. Yeah. And is this whole, like, especially because it started with rich Christians in the East Coast, et cetera, this whole hating of the rednecks has to do with the fact that they're not, obviously, even until 40 years ago, many middle Americans were really, this really obviously, if you were there, uh, necessary for food, but with these kind of with the machines and the giant companies and the, and the immigrant labor or not, whatever. Well, some, that's not the word for it, when, but uh, the like laborers, like who in California from 60 years ago, who would come seasonally from Mexico and oh, go back. And, like, oh. is this all just, if there hadn't been industrial agriculture, there wouldn't be this, freedom on the part of decadent people in the cities especially in america which i think was for the bourgeoisie in the cities who were so desperate to finally find somebody that they could feel better than right um was this uh, was this the beginning of not the beginning of it like this finally gave them the license and and everything since then is just more and more like let's just beat them down more beat them down more because what do the elites or i hate using that word the elites but like what do the rich people in the gateway cities have microwave houses netflix they're they're less sophisticated than the farmers in the midwest of a hundred years ago and um and then they're dying to make people like Reco like sign on to this and legitimize it. And yeah, the tanning of America, I guess the only thing that comes out of it is the only people who emotionally benefit are very mainline Protestant Americans in Boston, New York, you know, et cetera, who, I don't know, just like the way Reco wants to beat the dead horse of Leandra, it, it does astonish me. Like one would think after the millions of opioids that they would finally feel a shred of ambivalence about their nonstop hatred to their poor co-religionists and compatriots, but it never ends. Um, I don't know. And it's like, they don't really want the America to be tanned because then what? Like if they really kill all of their enemies, then who are they going to hate? Then there's it's like the giving tree. Mm-hmm. Then what? Maybe they'll start to hate Reco just because. Because <laughs> hate must go somewhere. Well, they hate us. We know that. <laughs> we know that. They hate, they, I want to tell Retko, 
those people hate Leandra way more than you and your friends on your podcast could ever hate her. You don't have time to hate her as much as they hate her. You don't have the energy. You don't have the hustle. Okay. You're, you're, you waking up hating her this morning and like pretending to eat, to be rude, whatever. I don't know if she does that on the other episodes. Like yeah, she had to pretend to hate her. You know, she had to like perform rudeness. Like they, they, they see Leander walking down Park Avenue. They get depressed because they, they want the whole world to be like Palm Beach 50 years ago. Everyone just wearing t-shirts. Yeah. Well, not even old t-shirts. Not okay, t-shirts, not J. Crew t-shirts. Uh-uh, they're not pink. I feel like you. You could just. You want to grab the mic? You could just keep going. You're we're like, so many of, I don't want to call them lost. Here. They're not lost. But where do those people even get those t-shirts? Like that. Like I don't care where Crystal is getting that stuff. From so like, Adley's volunteering to edit this week's episode. In. Like I don't know Oz, Party City. She's getting her clothes from. I could kind of figure it out. Where do those people get? You know what I'm talking about? Those people in Central Park? Like, you just where are they the to Persian Boy Podcast. Like, how have I never, yeah. I'm 20, 29, like, or look, how do I not have a t-shirt that that's fake, that's that destroyed? <laughs> do they, like, wash it with rocks? Who are you talking what are about? they doing? Right? Like, that's the, can we make that a fashion trend? Like, you, that's, like, not even ripped jeans. Because, you know, our jeans, we have joints. The t-shirt, it ends before your joints. It's not going on your elbow. So how are they damaging them so much? Where are they? I mean, Go ahead. Adley, I'll, I'll tell you from my experience, I have friends that, I don't know if you ever heard of L-Train Vintage. It's like a chain vintage store in Brooklyn, but it's not even vintage. It's literally people selling their like old college teachers and their old camp sweaters to a place that called itself a vintage store and my friends for some reason some of them enjoy buying other people's memorabilia from camp and college and wear these old raggedy sweaters and t-shirts and it's cool yeah i never shopped at was it late can you would you say natalie that i'm your best like vintage finding i honestly um, hate you I like I every time I'm taking that you, as a compliment. You should take it as it's a compliment. It's like a hatred of like out of like jealousy. Like I envy like like you buy like the nicest shit, and then I I want to have it too, and I can't because it's always either vintage or your mom's. <laughs> I know, I know. If I was a stuffed animal that had right it, I'm just like feeding thing. your ego, like. Yeah, that's why your head is so big to like keep your whole ego inside. Yeah, that's her hair is so big; it's full of secrets. <laughs> um. Well, I hate concluding an episode. I, there was a, like the one of the Adley had concluded, and then he went on a rant, and then it was hard for him. Then it like it wasn't as conclusionary anymore. Conclusive. Fuck. Let's just say bye. Like, let's just like. Have- yeah, like, come on. Bye. Bye, guys. If you're still here, <laughs> wow. Wow, you fucking loser. Don't you have something <laughs> better to do? You have nothing better to do with your life? Yeah, that's Wow. It's probably because they had a long commute. That's the only reason why they're still here. 
people leave when their commute is done it doesn't matter if their commute was 30 minutes they're out in 30 like if their commute's an hour and a half they finish the episode so congrats i hope your commute was easy and safe Okay, um, so yeah, really, so you got depressing. made it so depressing. Yeah. This was like <laughs> you, you such a depressing word. I'd rather be deported than happy. <laughs> okay, have fun in your deportation. <laughs> <laughs>